Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Thursday morning as we turn from January to the month of February. And I mean to tell you, when you talk about getting up this morning, and most of you who watch the show, not all, many in podcast form live out of town, an intergalactical popular show, off the bench. But for about a nine or ten day run, it has been like Seattle here. It has been gloomy, it has been cloudy, it has been rainy sleet, and today, I'm backing out of my driveway about 6.40, and for the first time this calendar year, you know, the days now are starting to get a little bit longer, right? Day by day by day. Well, all of a sudden, there's this light in the distance, (laughs) and I thought it might be Armageddon. I thought our Lord Jesus was coming down from above. Because this was something we had not seen in I don't know how long. It's called the sun. It is sunny and beautiful here in Cincinnati today. Casey, Lindsay, Elliot, no read today. Is there not a little extra bounce in your step this morning? You don't really look like there is, to be honest with you, Casey. <laughs> oh, Tom. I got to be honest with you. You don't look like it. I mean, I, I'm just dealing with this dog. I'm trying to win some money on no Chatterbox Bets. Um, you know, I, I today was just no, another normal morning day for me. Uh, you got to be I, kidding. I had, I had frost on my windshield. so Well, I, I didn't say it was warm, although it's supposed <laughs> that, to be up over 50 today. That's a big today. problem. It's going to be 50 today. I mean, that's better than what it was a couple weeks ago. But I, I got I got to have great weather, to be honest with you. I, I really need to. Well, be you in say that. that, but you just finished saying that, that there was no difference. I mean, just the sun being out was like a stark 180 difference. The sun has not been out for nine days, Tom. Nine, nine in a row. Days. I think in the month of January, I think it was 18 days of no sun. That's preposterous. It's absolutely preposterous. But I, yeah, I I think I woke up today with an extra uh, uh, little little skip in my step. Yeah. Uh, I did have to defrost the windshield. That took that takes about a half hour with my 2003 Chevy Impala, <laughs> but it, it works. It it got it. The job was done. The job was done. So it's beautiful, beautiful in Hamilton, Ohio. And what think- about you? A little extra bounce in your step today? Yeah, I didn't have to defrost my windows. I park in a parking garage, so I got lucky about that. It wow. was nice to actually see sun. I saw something coming through my blinds in my living room today. I was like, what could that be? Yeah, that's right. And I, I opened them for the first time and like felt forever. It might be like two weeks or whatever. Finally some sun. So and now nice. we're supposed to get it all weekend long. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sunshine in the 50s. I'm very thankful for that. My Amen. entire backyard is just a swamp, Tom. My poor dog it just stands in in three inches of water really yeah and I, it's not like i have like terrible drainage either it's just well it that's sounds how much like terrible drainage to me wow. <laughs> if your dog is standing in three inches of water it hasn't rained here in four or five days it sounds like a problem you might want to have that looked at because all of a sudden that stuff might start seeping into the basement you have a basement no i do not okay all right well then forget i ever said it we welcome you to off the bench presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers, I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey. to 12. Hey. I did it. 
I swear I did it. I was watching you for the first time today. <laughs> I know. I was All right. It's a good thing you were on it. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We broadcast live on X at Seabox Sports. How about that, 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 that thing with Musk, the implant into the brain? Did you see what? that story yesterday? See this. First thing, first time yeah. ever. Fascinating stuff. It's really interesting. Um, some of you prefer to join us in podcast form by all means. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, look, if you root for any of the college basketball teams in our town, in our area, like me, you probably find yourself beating your head against the wall because you just don't know which version of your team will show up on any given night. Now, when I try and figure it out, I look at our 20-year-old daughter. I think about our 18-year-old son. And it all becomes crystal clear. These young men playing basketball are 18 to 23-year-old people. They're going to have some very good days, and they're going to have some not-so-good days. I mean, look at three of the teams here in town. You see, the Bearcats, as we know, in the rugged Big 12 conference for the first time. It's college basketball's best conference. There's no debate about that. They've played and competed in every single game they've played. They had four losses in the month of January by a combined 13 points to the likes of ranked teams, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. They've beaten ranked teams in TCU and BYU. So you figure last night against a 7-13 West Virginia team that the Cats would roll into Morgantown and get a win. No, no, not that easy. UC went up 10 on back-to-back three-pointers from Day-Day Thomas. And when I say wilted, they wilted the rest of the way. Outscored 19-5 in a 69-65 defeat. Yeah, 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 I know. You can say West Virginia, they had home wins recently over Texas and Kansas. They've also looked very, very bad this year at times. This is simply a major blow for the Bearcats at this point in the season. These are the games they need to win to have a chance to get into the big dance come March. Next up for UC, a tough one. Trip to Lubbock to take on number 15, Texas Tech. That game on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Then there's Xavier. Four days ago, the Muskies had their worst loss of the century. 43 points they lost to number one UConn by. And we wonder. Will they be able to bounce back with Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino and his St. John's team rolling into town? Well, the X-Men were more than up for the challenge, especially their backcourt. They got some players back there, man. Des Claude, Quincy Oliveri was unbelievable last night, both with a team-high 23 points. Davion McKnight has 19, 88-77 the win. Muskies 11-10 on the year, 5-5 in the conference. And next up should be, should be, a win over Lowly DePaul Saturday night in Chicago, 9.30 tip. We'll talk about both those games in depth here in a little bit. Lastly, there's our friend Cal. And the big blue, mm. Kentucky. Now look, this is a very, very young team. A very, very talented team. And most times, kind of like X, kind of like UC, that means inconsistent. 
team. So after losing two games ago against South Carolina, they beat Arkansas on the road. Good win. And last night, the Florida Gators come to town, Rupp Arena, and win a 94-91 overtime thrill. A Florida hit 12 threes. Kid named Walter Clayton Jr. had seven of them. Gators now 15-6 and six on the year. Women's hoops. Iowa superstar Caitlin Clark is zeroing in on becoming college basketball's all-time leading scorer. Last night, she had 34, her fifth straight 30-plus point game. She passes former Princeton High School star and Ohio State star Kelsey Mitchell to move into number two on that list all time. Clark is 103 points shy of the record held by Washington's Casey Plum. She'll break that before the end of this month. In football, the Seattle Seahawks have gone from one of the oldest coaches in the league to the youngest head coach in the NFL. Yesterday, they hired Baltimore defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to replace Pete Carroll. At just 36, McDonald led that Ravens defense, which was number one in the NFL in scoring, takeaways, and sacks. He interviewed with six different teams this offseason. Now, one of his underlings, defensive backs coach Denard Wilson, is the new defensive coordinator for Brian Callahan in Tennessee. Callahan fired, in another move, the Titans' offensive line coach yesterday, which certainly opens a door for him going out and hiring his dad, Bill Callahan, away from the Browns to work for him. How cool is that? Jeff Halfley, meanwhile, the head football coach, head football coach at Boston College, is leaving to become the new defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Halfley made some of the most interesting comments I have ever read about leaving college as a Power of Five conference head coach to go become a coordinator in the NFL and his reasons why. We'll get into those in just a little while. Coming up at 11, Marty Brenneman will join us from Arizona. Spring training is right around the corner. I don't know what he's doing out there. He told me the other day he was going to Arizona. He was just there for the Reds fantasy camp. He comes into town for like two days. And then he says, uh, shoots me a text. He says, hey, uh, I can't do Wednesday. I'm going to Arizona. Got to be golfing or something, right? Well, I would think he is. But, but he, he's there for some reason, not to just go play golf. He'll only go to places like Scotland or Ireland or one of those, those places like that to go on a golf trip. Oh, yeah. He's a big league operator. Guys like you and me, we go to Houston Woods. Yeah, we go to Houston Woods. He goes to Scotland. <laughs> we play at a Newman Golf Course <laughs> on the west side. That'll, that'll get the people going. But, yeah, I, Red Spring training. Doesn't it, now, you talk about the sun getting a little skip in your step. How about Reds baseball, pitchers and catchers reporting? I, that gives me a little skip in my step too, Tom. 162-game season. We got a 30-game spring training season. Let's go. Let's do it. Schedule. I'm trying to see uh, what, some of the, what some of the boys and girls are talking about in the chat. Is there anything standing out here today? Sharon Peters is back. Oh, God. Sharon Peters is back. What is this? We know when Tom is riffing. What is riffing? 
What does that mean? So today I put the I put part of your monologue in the description today for our search engine purposes. Anytime that you say something that uh, has any relevance in sports news, you should probably put it in the description so p when people search that topic, it's not just uh, you know they they can show up on, on on our show if it happens to be that way and. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's what they're talking about. They saw some of your monologue today, so they knew that you were going to rip into UC and praise Xavier and all that other stuff. Well, I mean, I didn't rip into UC. I was just trying to explain how frustrating it can be and maybe try to give a little perspective on why. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, and Elliot, I know you watch it. Casey, I know you watch Kelsey, I know you watch it. You know, I'm sitting there, and, you know, it's, it's tight the whole game. Right, But then all of a sudden, after a really poor start to the second half, UC normally comes out at halftime, and, and they're generally ready to play. They, 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 they were sleepwalking for about eh, eight, nine minutes. But, but West Virginia wasn't, you know, they, they, they're not dazzling. Although I tell you, that big kid who's missed some games recently that had 25 points and 11 rebounds last night, that dude's a player. That kid's a star. Um, but... Anyway, so, you know, then all of a sudden, here we go. Skilling starts warming up. Day-Day Thomas hits a three. Uh, they get the ball back. Thomas hits another three. West Virginia says timeout. It's 60-50 to 50 UC, six-something left. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, they're good. I mean, how do they go 19-5 to 5 on the short end? to get beat over the last six minutes of that game. What did you see? It comes down, and, and again, I'm as high on UC as, as one can be. I think they've given a lot of excitement. Yes, they They've have. shown a lot of potential. Yep. Every game's close. Every game's competitive. Saying all that, they lack a, a key, consistent offensive weapon. They don't have it. Yep. They, they, they have to rely on Day-Day to catch fire at some point. You have to rely on, on John Newman to drive to the basket. You have to rely on Simas Lukosius to show up every once every five games. It's just it's just not a consistent offensive unit. It, it, and when you're up by ten, you would think you would be able to maintain somewhat of a lead up until the end of the game. Clearly, that wasn't the case. They scored quickly. West Virginia West Virginia uh, came back from ten within I think two minutes, three minutes, and, and it was lightning all because of that center. Tom was mentioning uh, was it Reynolds? Yeah. Uh, or Edwards, sorry, excuse or me, Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. Um, and, and West Virginia was doing, like, the, the little things. They were turning the ball over. They were missing every free throw. No the, Edwards, who scored 25, was 3 for 9 at the free throw line. They were missing. They were giving UC every opportunity in the world to win that game. It comes down to UC not having a, a good offensive player. We thought that Victor Lockin was going to be that guy coming into this year. Uh, he's given us every reason to believe that. He was last year uh, for the first half of this season against every scrub team we played for the first 13 games, uh, mostly of the first 13 games. Victor Lockin was very, very good. But, but Lockin is clearly struggling to adjust to, to the Big 12 style, the level of play in the, in, in the Big 12. Um, and, and in fairness, he has been sick. He has been sick, but if he's if that's what a sick performance looks like, I'm I, I, I'm 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 worried. Well, because I, that I mean, was atrocious. I mean, Lockett, you know, it makes it me wonder atrocious. if he should have been playing. He I mean, because before the last game, Wes Miller talked about how all the coaches, the entire team, 
has yeah. had this bout with sickness. And that goes through a team when you're, you're really just jam-packed in with guys no matter where you go. Locker room, on the court, buses, planes. That stuff's going to go like wildfire, right? And that, that's what hit UC. Yeah. And, and Miller talked about how Lockin tried to go before the last game at home, uh, and he couldn't. Um, and, and so now here we were three days later. He couldn't play Saturday, and now here we are on a Wednesday night. He's in there getting a ton of minutes. Now, he's a guy you rely on and you were counting on. Yep. But if he's sick, I mean, even if he's only 70%, this isn't like 70% of LeBron James. No. Right? It's not even close. I'm going to give you some stats here, so pardon me. Against Kansas, he shot 16% from the floor. He had seven points, eight boards. Against Oklahoma, he shot 28% from the floor, 5.7 boards. He had an okay game against TCU with 11 points, five boards. He then had a horrible game against Baylor with seven points, one rebound. I, I Listen, I, I, I think Victor Locken could be okay in a, maybe a, a, a worse conference, a, a, smaller, a smaller program. I think he could be a superstar elsewhere. But when it comes time for the Big 12, I have a hard time believing this guy can be a, a relevant power forward or center, which what which is his job position. That's that's the description of his of his of his job. So I, I, I I'm I'm torn because I like Victor Locken. I, I try to like him. I try my damnedest. But we have a seven foot player who doesn't contribute. That's unacceptable. And we and you go around the floor to the other seven footers. We have Aziz who can't do anything offensively other than have Dede lob a ball up to him and him dunk it down. That's the only move he has offensively. Defensively, he's okay. He can block and yep. he can rebound. Jamil Reynolds, again, offensively, he doesn't look like he wants the basketball. I think he has the highest potential of the three bigs. Oh, I, I don't think there's any I, I doubt about it. I think Jamil could be the, this year's Yancey Gates if he wanted to be. But he hasn't shown it at all. He can't guard. And offensively, he passes the ball every time he gets it. So right now we have three bigs who don't contribute at all offensively. And Victor Locken, by the way, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a second, shooting the last three of the game to try to stay alive, horrible. I don't know, I don't know what the play call Wes Miller drew up at, at, at that timeout with 40 seconds left, but if that was the play call, we have serious issues. Serious issues. If Victor Locken, who hasn't scored a point, is going to pull up from 28 feet, that's, that, that's a problem. But the rest of the team, I mean, CMOS played okay. He did okay. Uh, Day-Day played okay. Day-Day's a gamer. Day-Day Day is, is starting to pick it up. There were a lot of people a few weeks ago saying James ought to be playing ahead over him, but James is having a hard time, if you, if you believe what yep. you hear behind the scenes, uh, defending other point guards when he's out on the floor. Day-Day uh, had to hear some of that talk, and he has stepped up his game. He has. I mean, the shooting percentage isn't great for him, but, I, but the, the plays he makes yes. defensively and, and what he can create on offense does, does offer something that Jizzle has not uh, yet this season. John Newman was a stud. I think John Newman's still our best player, or our most valuable player, I should say. Um, and obviously he got hurt at the end to pretty much kill any chance UC had. But that's a, that's a loss that can't happen. And, and Wes Miller said it after the game, and, and we'll play that clip in a second. But it's a loss that when you're up by 10 with five minutes to go against a team that I think lost to Radford, yep. not going to work. It's not going to help your tournament chances. I can only pray that it ends up as a, as a quadrant two loss uh, when, when we start. Because that's, that's really the first bad loss of the season for UC. Yep. Um, the Xavier loss is fine. That's quadrant one. Dayton on, on a neutral site, quadrant one. 
Uh, obviously, any ranked win, any ranked team that, that beats UC is a quadrant one loss too. So if this can end up being a quadrant two loss, it helps UC's tournament chances. But I, I'm still concerned what's going to happen on Saturday against Texas Tech if we don't have John Newman, if Victor Locken's going to play like an absolute bum, respectfully. Uh, so that's that's the, the the future is concerning me more than last night's game. Yeah, the the Newman thing, he's been the guy since, since of all the players on the team since conference play started. He has been their best player by far. By far. All-around player. In fact, he's become one of the top two-way players, if not the Big 12 in the entire country. He's an outstanding defender. He's been averaging, I think, over the last five, six games, 17 points a game, whatever it is. Yep. Um, and he's a gamer. I mean, guy's a total gamer. And I think he's a leader, too. He, there's and, no, and, no doubt about it. And this is a young roster. It's a young group of guys. And you have a guy like John Newman to help them, help build their confidence, help them experience what it is to win games, win basketball games. And he's such, a, such an important part of this roster if they want to win games. And if he's not there, I don't know. Now, it was hard to tell initially when he went down, for those of you that didn't see it, uh, the scariest moment by far for UC fans in the game is when he got hurt. Now, he did not come back into the game. And, that, that, you know, look, that played a factor in them losing the game too. But that's not the reason they lost the game. Uh, but when you saw him go down, you're thinking, oh, man, please, please. This kid has been through so many injuries. He missed all of last season. He's in his sixth year. I found it interesting, by the way. I love hearing these stories when announcers give you this stuff because so few of them are working hard enough to really take the time to dig into to looking it up. Yeah. He's one of, I think, like six or seven players, they said, in all of college basketball that already has his master's degree. Really? John Newman that? III. How about that? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So I, and now he's taking doctoral classes. Think about that. That's pretty cool. That's making the most of getting those extra years, whether it was because of a red shirt, COVID, uh, injury, whatever it was. So good for John. Anyway, so he goes down, uh, and you're thinking, oh, man, please. Not the ankle, not the knee. Uh, they made the comment after the game, a shoulder injury. Now, they made it sound like it, the, the, the term they used was bruised shoulder. So if anybody's ever hurt their shoulder, those things hurt a lot. You can't sleep at night if you get a badly injured I mean, it, it hurts like crazy. But hopefully, he's a big, strong young man. Hopefully, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have around-the-clock treatment on him. Uh, they probably got in very, very, very late last night. Um, they flew, no doubt. There's no way they were taking a bus back. I, I wouldn't hope not. They flew back. Uh, and so he's got all day today. Three quarters of a day tomorrow, because they will get on a plane, I'm guessing after practice, probably about five, six o'clock tomorrow night to fly down to Lubbock. And then it'll have all day Saturday because it's a night game. So whatever treatment they got to get on that shoulder, I would be stunned unless there's something going on we don't know about if Newman does not play against Texas Tech on Saturday. Uh, Casey, you said you watched some of the game last night. Some of it. Some of it. Uh, you were busy. You're getting ready for boogie nights this weekend. I understand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my, my wife is not feeling the greatest at the moment. She's kind of feeling sick, so I've been trying to take care of her and whatnot. But anyways, that's not the point. Um, I have one question for you, Elliot, because you've been paying attention to UC way more than I have this, this year. And I'm just looking at Jamil Reynolds, and shouldn't he get more playing time, yes. you think? Because I, I'm just looking at some of the stats here. He's played great. He played great against Texas. Played great against Baylor. 
He had a decent game with the amount of time that he had, 13 minutes against uh, Oklahoma. Kansas, he was two for four, but he shot perfect in free throws. Was only there for 11 minutes. And he's just dwindled in time and just in usage over the last couple couple games here. Well, And we're, we're talking about Victor Locken being awful the last couple games. Why is he not getting more playing time? Is it just that he's still trying to get adjusted? Like what? I know there was something there, right? He's trying to get because he can't guard. He doesn't play defense. You see his strength without question is their defensive ability. And and if you take away a Vic Locke and Aziz Bandego, it's, it's going to be difficult to continue to stay in these games like they've been able to do. I think, I think, again, I, I just said it, but I, I do think Reynolds has the potential to be the best big on this team. And it's not close. The issue is he has yet to show it. I think he deserved time, especially yesterday uh, when Aziz fouled out. UC was in need of a bucket. He wouldn't come in the game. Um, he, he never came in the game. And, and, and one of the plays also that he made yesterday, unfortunately, was after a, a, a massive putback, he started taunting the West Virginia bench and got a technical. So that, that, all, that all plays a factor into it. If he, if, I, if, I, I, have a, I have a feeling that if he didn't get teed up, he probably would have been. He probably would have seen more time. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I looking at the roster. I don't even know what they do to be honest with you because I think Dan Skillings definitely deserves his thirty minutes. I think Day Day, you need him for for defensively, right? Cmos. I mean, I don't. I don't know what to think of him anymore. I'm out on Cmos. I'm out on Cmos. Has been pretty pretty I'm pretty out. bad the last couple games as well. Um, I don't know where, where you get your offensive production from unless you just start throwing in guys like Reynolds and just hope that they eventually develop as a defensive player. Um, there's like, no there's it, no solution. There's no solution to the offensive side of the basketball. Well, what, yeah. you, what you got to ask yourself is, you know, the debate becomes when you say if you're getting zero from Lockett. Now, I'm going to give him a lot of rope here because he plays and plays hard and plays all the time when he's healthy. So I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here that he's still sick. But you're going to have to ask yourself the question, are we going to start trading some defense for some more offense? Right? Yeah. And you just got to say to Reynolds, if defense is indeed what's keeping him back, you got to say, son, if you want to play, you better defend. Because we really need your offense. Because he is a force and a huge physical presence of a guy. Well, he got a technical last night, right? Yeah, he got teed up. He got teed up, uh, I think, in the second half. Yeah, second second half. half started taunting the West Virginia bench. So it's that, that that's the kind of stuff that can't happen. No. Ever. No. Ever. Now, Tom, I want to know if you believe in this old adage. They say that defense isn't really necessarily about skill. It's about effort. No doubt about it. Do you believe in that? Well, I believe it too. I believe, I believe most of that is true when it comes to defense and rebounding. The dirty work. Because nobody wants to guard and nobody wants to rebound. Yeah. Because it's hard work. Now, there will be physical limitations to you being a good rebounder or a good defender. Of course. You know, if you can't, if you're not quick enough to, to handle the guy you're guarding, uh, all the, the footwork and practice in the world will help. But, you know, talent, you know, they, 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 they say that will can trump talent. That, that's partially true. And it's the same thing where if you're 6'2 and you're guarding a guy 6'8, yeah, you can box him out and get perfect position. But if you don't get perfect position and he comes around to the side and he's able to rip away the rebound because he gets up off the floor higher than you, yep. what are you going to do? So I don't know where Jameel Reynolds – I know one thing. 
When I watched him last year a handful of times playing for Temple, the dude was a stud. He was a stud. He was a star. And he, I think he torched UC. I, I he did. Back, I'll have to go back and look at that. But boxing out was an issue last night. It was. It's Jesse Edwards for West Virginia. Again, he's. I, I think he's like eight feet tall. Um and this was a guy that just killed us. He just he got every rebound, and then he put every rebound back for a dunk every single time. And, and I think West Miller, if Casey, if we can run this, uh, West Miller, I think touched on this in the post game. But uh, people are going to be upset. UC fans are going to be upset, and West Miller took the blame. We got to be able to close games out with a ten point lead with six minutes left. It, that's inexcusable, and that, that falls on the coach. That's part of sitting in this chair. Got to do a better job preparing my team, and. Uh, you know, we blew an opportunity on the road. That's really disappointing. Yeah, did you like shot selection in the final six minutes? <laughs> yeah, I listen, we, we were one for ten at halftime from three or something like that. We've not shot the ball well here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we talked to our guys a lot about you got to step up and shoot the ball with confidence. They were packing it in. They were really throwing bodies at the roll man. Uh, so I, I thought we started shooting the ball with confidence and it broke the game up to a 10-point lead. You don't get it both ways as a coach. You don't get to tell your guys step into shots of confidence and then get mad when they shoot one that, you know, you don't love. I tell you, I do admire uh, – I, I do like the, the, the overwhelming majority of stuff that uh, Miller says yeah. after games. I do. He but, lays it out there. He's not afraid to take the blame himself. Uh, I mean, God forbid, like, uh, you know, Tom Izzo said a couple weeks ago, God forbid we ever blame a player. <laughs> yep. Right? Yep. If you haven't seen that video, by the way, I mean, it's a must-see video. It is one of the greatest pieces of video of all time. When they were asking, they were prodding Izzo, Hall of Famer, to get on his players. And, and I mean, what followed was, was unbelievable. In Texas Tech this week, Texas Tech has lost four games all year. They just lost the other night at TCU. Great game. They got this cat on this team. They call him Pop. Pop Isaacs. This guy's a sophomore. Now, I had not watched them play all year long. I knew they were having a good year. I had not watched them play until the other night. This dude in his last three, he's a sophomore. He's, uh, he's a guard. He's not a big guy. He's lean. He's 6'2", 170 pounds, so really lean. But the other night, he goes for 25 points against TCU. His last three games, he went for 32 against BYU, 18 against Oklahoma, 25 against TCU. Somebody better guard him. It's going, to be, it's going to be day-day, and here's the good news about that, is that uh, Aismas for Texas, Aismas is their best player. Uh, you know, you can debate it, but Aismas, in my opinion, has been their best player, and, and day-day shut him down completely in that game. I think, I, I think we are capable of shutting down uh, a, at least a guard like okay. that with, with the defensive weapons that we have. Okay. I do think it's possible. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be tough, especially if we have a sick lock in and an injured Newman. Uh, we're going to need guys to step up, and that includes Jameel Reynolds, 100%. I want to address one thing in the chat because we always love hearing from Molly. Molly had said, when your dad comes on, will you ask him if he'll take a picture with me at an evening with Marty Brenneman, which is March the 23rd at the Fitton Center for Creative Arts? I'll ask him today. Don't let me forget about that, Kate. I won't let him forget. I won't let him. All right. Because Molly's a friend of the program, uh, a.k.a. Reed. And, um, <laughs> okay. 
What is this? What? What are you looking at? Drew Garrison says, what do we need to do in the chat to get Tom to wear Yeezys and skinny jeans to work? What are Yeezys? I, I believe that's a shoe. That is a shoe. Is that one of like these expensive kind of shoes where all the young people it's, line up outside like some store? Kanye West brand, Yeezys. He owns the brand? Pretty sure that's his brand, right? Am I wrong? No, I'm right, yeah. Do you wear Yeezys or are they for men or what's I the deal? I think they're ugly, so I do not wear them. You don't they're wear like them? like foam shoes, a lot of them. But he also has like a sneaker type, but I just have never bought a pair. For some reason, I have a sneaking suspicion that my, my daughter... Do, do, do girls wear those? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Are they similar to the Big Baller brand? You know what the Big Baller brand is? I do not know what LeVar Ball. Oh, yeah. They, he made his own shoe for like $9,000 for a single shoe. Is it like that? I don't know what it looks like. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it looks like. Okay. All right. Reed Mouse is in the chat. I thought he was at a funeral today. I think, well, I, well. Of course, funerals don't normally start at 10 o'clock in the well, morning. No. Funeral visitation, I don't, I don't know. He's preparing for it. Well, we certainly hope everything is okay uh, with whomever it is that passed and their family and our thoughts and prayers to them for sure. All right. Then we switch gears over to Xavier. Now, I watched a lot of this game last night, too. I mean, I, I was working it hard. <laughs> my, my, my wife had gone off uh, to this, uh, this meeting she had to go to. Our daughter's packing. She's getting ready to leave the country for the next few months. And so dad's downstairs. Me and my main man, four-legged friend Oliver. He's a little neurotic, a little OCD like me. So when the both of us have a chance to sort of sit down and just shh, we both very much enjoy. So I knew my daughter and I were going to watch Oppenheimer last night. So I had to sneak in all the basketball I could. And thank God she was running a little behind on the packing. So I could watch the end of both of those games before we started it. So it was a late night to say the least. Oppenheimer is a long oh, yeah. movie. Um, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. It's, it's, you saw it in the theater. I did. It was one of the best experiences I've had in the theater. That dude who's in Peaky Blinders, what's his name? Cillian Murphy. That dude. But you know what's amazing about that? And I don't mean to get off. We'll get to Xavier in a second. Um, it is incredible how many big-time actors are in that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is every scene. Somebody shows up for the first time, and it's like, oh, my God, that's Robert Downey Jr. Oh, my God, that's, you know, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Even the smallest parts are, are people you'll say, my God, that guy was fill in the blank. Show you remember. Movie you remember. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I want to see it. Have you seen it, Casey? I have not seen it, no. Does it interest you to see it? Well, around that time, uh, the, the Barbie movie was out. So that was, that's what. Uh, it's so good. You should watch the Barbie movie. It really is really good. Yeah, Tom, you should watch the Barbie movie. <laughs> Well, Tom, you know what we might do today? Let's let's all stay for a couple hours after the show. We'll get I'll get some popcorn and we'll put it on the three monitors up here. We'll have a triple screening of Barbie. Ooh. That's what we'll do. Yeah, you and we can all it. sing along yeah. to we I could, Am Ken. Yeah, we could we could put Barbie on one TV, Oppenheimer on the other because that's what they intended us yeah, to Barb do. Yeah, right? Watch them at the same time. Yeah, Bobby Bob Barbie Har. Nope. Bobby. No, you continue. Barbie Heimer. Barbenheimer. Yeah. Barbenheimer. Yeah. 
I think that's what we should do, Tom. Though I think that's a, a good a good time. Get some popcorn. Barbie is really good. Some candy. We're talking about Casey's dog's mucus. Vaginal discharge. <laughs> Are you okay, Tom? Uh, yeah, but that was that was silly. Okay, so you haven't seen Oppenheimer. No. I'm glad you've seen Barbie. Have you seen Barbie? I have not. Okay. I actually have a friend of mine, guy my age. He's got a, got a, a young adult daughter, just a little bit older uh, than my daughter. And, we're, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, he went to see it. And he came back and he said, I got to tell you, it was really good. I said, you got to go. So we went with Oppenheimer first. It's the right choice. That's the right choice. Okay. All right. Back on track with Xavier. Back on track with Xavier. So, Sunday's game, as we know, is brutal. I mean, just brutal. And you lose by 43, and we'll hear from Sean Miller some of his comments, and, and I hope I'm not paraphrasing the comments that I read this morning, which we're about to hear. You know what? Play it. Let's yeah, hear th- it. This is, this is Sunday's comments. Oh, this is Sunday's comment. Okay. I really credit our players. It's not easy to go through what we went through in Hartford. Uh, you know, they beat us so bad that you wondered if if you would ever be able to play basketball or win, win a basketball game again. I mean, no matter who you were on that trip, you, you had to be filled with some doubt simply because of how out of hand that game was. I mean... I, I thought we kept it as close as we could. It could have been worse. Um, so once that ends, you, you know you don't have a crystal ball on on exactly how it's going to go, and could go really bad. But to our players' credit, we left it there. We learned from it. We moved on quickly. I mean, I thought we followed up that performance with one of our best performances, meaningful performances of the Big East season, and certainly we respect some. You know, that, that's basically, he went on to talk about, uh, you know, about anybody that was on that plane or anybody that was on that bus or in that locker room. You had to, you had to have some doubt about where all this was going. And yet, you know, we joke around a lot about Sean Miller and hadn't been on the program and all that kind of thing. And it's funny at this point, or maybe it's old and tired. I don't know. Kind of like me. But um, the guy is an extraordinary basketball coach extraordinary coach uh he has a very young team we've talked about it many many times how you know it's taken him a while to come together and there are a lot of this when you're 11 and 10 there's a lot of that they've had some terrible losses last night was a good win last night's uh approach for st john's in a lot of ways mirrored last night's approach by cincinnati meaning st john's 13 and 7 coming in here last night They've lost two one-point games to Marquette and Creighton here in the last week and a half. They've got Creighton again, Marquette again, and UConn coming up. So this was a game they really needed to come in and win against a 10-10 and and really down Xavier team. That Oliveri last night, the guy's personality is unbelievable, just off the charts. I mean, I can see why he is an instant fan favorite 
And even without the personality, you're going to be a fan favorite when you make shots like he did last night. He's that a was a big-time performance by that dude. He's shooting 50% from three on the year, just about. I, I mean, every big moment that, that Xavier's had, it's, a lot of them this season have been because of Quincy Oliveri. Uh, he, he, was, he was highly recruited by UC. He chose Xavier. You, can, you can't argue that, that he made the right, the, the right decision here because it's, he's, he's been absolutely phenomenal, and he's been, he's been carrying their offense. Davion McKnight's picked it up as yep, of late, too. big time. Uh, and, and Xavier's going to have him for, for a while. Des Claude, I think everybody thought he was going to be the guy this year. He was going to have to step up. And he's been, he's been okay. He's been great. Uh, he's been good for Xavier. But it's been the Quincy Oliveri show up until this point. And especially at home at Centos, he's been lights out. I mean, every game he makes four threes. He's four for eight from three every game, it seems like. So, and that's a, that's a win for Xavier that is close. It's not, it doesn't completely nullify what happened to Delaware and Oakland. No. But that certainly helps. And if you're, if you're talking about a tournament team, I don't want to face that team. I don't want to face Xavier. They dropped 50 in the second half against St. John's. St. John's, who's borderline a tournament team. If you talk about uh, the Big 12 being the best, the Big East is, is very much the second-best basketball conference in the nation. Uh, and you're looking at six to seven teams maybe uh, getting in the tournament from, from the Big East as well. And that includes St. John's. And if Xavier's able to rattle off a couple here in a row, and they're going to have to beat Creighton, they're going to have to beat Marquette. They're going to have to beat. They're going to have to beat Seton Hall on the road. They're going to have to. They're going to have to have a win that nullifies the the embarrassing loss that was Delaware and Oakland, uh, because out in, in those two losses, it's crazy to me because uh, out, outside of that, at home, they've been very good, very very good. It's just I don't, I don't know what that was, um, but their ceiling is very high. I, I you know I don't like to bring up the the Michael Jordan quote: "The ceiling is the roof." It's a very funny quote. But truly, I, I think Xavier on their best day can beat anybody. Now, Xavier on their worst day is going to lose to anybody. Yep. That, that's, been, that's been seen already this year. When you lose by 40-plus to UConn, I know UConn's the best team in the nation. When you lose by 40 to a team in your conference, uh, you, you, it's hard to say that your floor is, is, is ex, uh, exceptional. It, it, it's, 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 it's competitive. But the good news is, more times than not, they reach their ceiling. They reach their they, they 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 play up to the competition. Yeah, I mean they were they were fun to watch last night. But that that Oliveri kid, man. I mean the, the the game last night. If you were watching, you know Xavier got out in front early. They by and large maintained a lead through most of the game, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, five minutes left, uh, St. John's ties it up, and now here 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 comes Xavier. There's an out of control sort of play. Uh, the kid picks it up, dumps it in the corner to Oliverian right in front of his bench. Bang! Hits a three. He had hit a, a, a fadeaway, the trip before, down before miles in the air uh, that went down nothing but net. Huge shots for him. And he's getting the crowd all wound up. I tell you, I was surprised to see as many empty seats as I saw, at least on television. It looked to me like there were a lot of empty seats there last night. I think it was for the first half. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, uh, but it looked like in the first half the student section wasn't there. It looked like a, a weaker Xavier crowd on a Wednesday night. But you know, I could you know, be wrong. That makes me, let me ask you a question. When you go to a basketball game with all your friends that you see, okay, I'm curious about this. Because it seems like more and more, outside of a place like Kansas or Duke, okay, we'll take them out. But it seems like a lot of times students are getting to games later and later and later. 
When you go, do you see that? I mean, I know there's pre-gaming and all that kind of stuff going on from time to time. If it's a Thursday night or a Saturday night or a, a Monday afternoon, you can pre-game when yeah. you're in college. It doesn't matter. But do you guys go late? Um, not really. I think we might get there, depending, like, on the game, we might get there a little later. But honestly, the arena's pretty packed from the get-go. Like, the student section's filled, the <clears throat> stands are filled. It's really not – people do come later, but not as much, I think, as Xavier does. Okay, okay. All right. I try to get to games. I mean, I, I try to get to UC games specifically just because parking's not always ideal. I try to get there. If the game's at 7, I try to arrive at 6.30. Well, and you pointed out in the chat, and somebody else did too, uh, it was uh, Justin, that 6.30 is not ideal. People Terrible work. Time. They got to go. Terrible uh, time. They got to go to, um, you know, maybe go pick up their wife and kids or whatever after they leave work. So they're, they're leaving work. They're driving to pick them up. Now they're driving to get in. They got to park. All that. that can happen. Student section, no excuse. Student section, that's the, there's no excuse for the student section. I, I was going to go to the game yesterday. I was going to go to the Xavier game yesterday, uh, but obviously it's difficult for me to go anywhere uh, after work because it's, you know, 45 minutes for right. me to get back home. But, yeah, if, I mean, 6.30, like even for Reds games, you see those 6.40 start times. I know it's a little bit different because nobody shows up anyway for Reds games anymore, but it, it does seem like for 6.40 start times at Great American, there's nobody there. And it's just because it's it's a bad time. Seven ten starts are ideal. Seven o'clock starts are the way to go. I well, they are, but more and more teams. The Diamondbacks were really the trendsetter in that deal uh, of, of first going to six forty. Uh, they did that years ago. Um, and Phil Castellini and I used to talk about this all the time. The 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 six forty starts, I think, are a very good idea when you were playing three and three and a half hour games. Now that the time of game is shrinking, right? Yeah. You can probably go back to seven o'clock. And because when you, when they were going three, three twenty, whatever it was, and you were starting at six forty, you know, I mean, it's, you're lucky to get out of there before 10 o'clock. Really leave the ballpark by 10. Now you're playing two twenty, So you can start at seven. You're out at nine twenty. Most of the time. So a, we'll see if a lot of these uh, a, schools go back to that. There's a serious disadvantage to, uh, especially for our left fielder, Spencer Steer, if the, if for those 640 start yeah. times. Because that sun yeah. is drilling him every single game. I, I, I think the 640 start times are preposterous. I know they did it for kids initially. They wanted you know people to be able to go home early and get to bed by, at a reasonable hour. But at the same time, it does, it does greatly affect our defense in the first inning. So... Go back, go back to the way we the, the way we used to do things. Please. Nick Kirby says, "I don't want what kids watching the games with me." <laughs> a little too rough of a crowd, huh? For kids. Well, it must be for him. I don't know about anybody else, but it must be for him. When was, Tom, when was the last game you've been? When was the last time you've been to a Cintas, uh, a game at Xavier Cintas? Uh, I, I announced a number of them for a few years. Um, Last time was probably two, three years ago. Okay, but a great building. I it's love a it. Fantastic yeah, atmosphere, love it. Xavier. It's it's fantastic. It, it, it does have better parking than uh, UC. Yeah. Uh, but when was the last time? Have you have you haven't been to a UC game this year, right? You've been to last year. Though? I went last year. Yes. That, that the arena at UC now with you have to go and experience it because with the excitement uh, that's happening around this this team, the the stands are packed. Yeah. The atmosphere is electric. It's the best atmosphere I've seen at a UC game in a very long, excluding all crosstown shootouts in a very long well, time. Well, I mean, I've heard a number of these guys that are broadcasting these games on ESPN 
uh, who are doing, it sounds like almost strictly just Big 12 games. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard any number of them make the comment that it was the most electric atmosphere of anywhere they've been in the Big 12 this season. It's been crazy. The co- um, the Texas coach, it's his yeah, name's, right, right. name's going to escape me, but he said, he said it after the game. Uh, it was one of the best atmospheres. This is a Big 12 atmosphere. Yeah. And that's important. That's the home court advantage stuff does matter uh, in college basketball, 100%. So. Well, Johnny Dawkins said it the other night. Of course, he was a star player at Duke. He was an assistant for Coach K for a long time. And he said, look, every time I come here, this atmosphere is unbelievable around here. He said it's just fantastic. Yeah, one thing that caught my eye was brought up in the chat last night. You know, I talked a number of months ago about one of the things that I don't like about college basketball. Uh, and, um, and, and Paul Fritzner and I, I think he was on the show and I brought it up with him, um, is that all the years that I used to broadcast college basketball in the ACC, um, in uh, the great Midwest conference, going back to when UC played in that conference. And I've done a ton of college basketball is that it seems like the home team always shoots far more free throws than the visiting team. Now, officials are human beings, and I'm not suggesting for a second that officials go into a game favoring a home team. I don't know if it's emotion. I don't know if it's a crowd. I don't, I, I don't know what it is. But if you really go and look, and I was looking last night, for example, uh, and, and there were a lot of games last night. The, the Xavier game was almost unwatchable in terms of number of fouls. The two teams combined to shoot over 60 free throws last night. Think about that. 60 free throws in a game. But last night, Purdue plays Northwestern. The game is in West Lafayette. That's Purdue's home court. Purdue shoots 46 free throws. Northwestern shoots eight. (laughs) Now, you know, Coach Collins, after the game from Northwestern, he's like, I mean, mean, what are you going to say? He's like, come on, right? 46 is... uh, That was an overtime win, by the way. Zach Eady had 10 of his 30 in the overtime for Purdue to win that game. Northwestern's having a nice year. Collins is putting together a nice program up there at Northwestern. They come to play every night. 100%. And, um, but 46 to 8. How does that happen? I don't know. It's, it, college basketball officiating is not great. If, I'm gonna be, it's, if you have to look at the officiating, NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, you go down the line, college, college football, college basketball might have the very worst officials. They try their best. But there's just a, there's just a lot of inconsistency um, all around the board, all around NCAA. So Purdue, and this has been their game. They, they, they make all their money at the free throw line. Zach Eady gets to the line 100 times a game. That's how they've done it all season long. But 46 to 8 is unacceptable. They were 29 of 46 from the line, 63%. They missed 17 foul shots last night. Northwestern was six for eight from the line. Northwestern had more field goals. They had five more field goals in the game than Purdue did. Northwestern had four more three-pointers 
in the game than Purdue did. Yep. Now, in you know, one of the things that stands out and certainly catches your eyes when you're talking about guys getting to the free throw line is Edie is such an incredibly physical force under the basket. They had 36 rebounds compared to 22 for Northwestern. So you're going to get fouls. But Northwestern had 30 fouls in the game. Purdue had 15. I'd be upset if I were Coach Collins, too. And for these guys that say, you know, I – why we got him in the chat today, Mr. Mo, making a comment that Zach Eady stinks. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, are you are you serious? I mean, are you talking about whether or not he's going to be a great pro player? I have no idea what he's going to do in the pros. Neither do you. But the dude is the reigning national player of the year. He's going to be again this year. He's one of the great college basketball players in the last 50 years. The dude's a double-double every night. Zach Eady's a great college basketball player. He is. That, that was slander by Mr. Moe. Zach Eady, by the way, 17 free throw attempts uh, last night. He had 13 against Rutgers. He had 15 against Iowa, 12 against Indiana, 14 against Penn State. The dude's a free throw monster. Uh, he has to get those calls. I mean, there has to be, uh, again, I'm not going to accuse anybody of favoritism, but there has to be a little bit of, uh, uh, if Zach Eady has the ball, maybe call a foul. Because that's absurd numbers. Yeah. Absurd. Is Marty ready to go already? Yep, he's ready. He's always early, man. Always. That's always a gamer. Always early. I mean, you know what? Hey, Elliot, ask him why, you know, why he's out there. I mean, because it looks to me like he might be doing exactly what you suggested earlier, just based on what he's wearing. Marty, is it true that you're out there golfing? You're on a golf trip right now? It's not exactly a golf. It's none of your damn business to begin with, <laughs> but it's not a golf trip. It's a, uh, it's a, an appearance I'm making for Fifth Third Bank. They are honoring many of their employees from across uh, their coverage area, from Michigan to Florida. And they asked me to come out here and take part in a couple of events they're having. Um, I don't have anything to do today, so Amanda and I are going to go out and play golf at Camelback Ranch at 1030. And then we're going to play again tomorrow. Yeah, we play, I'm playing golf today. This seems like a big money operation, Marty. How much are we getting paid for this? <laughs> You're killing me, man. You're killing It's none of your business, Elliot. We can split the profit. It's none of your you business. Up, you send me up there, me and you, Marty, we'll, we'll, we'll be duos. We'll be duos in golf. Anybody can challenge us. We'll play skins. $100 a hole, me and you. Let, what do you say? You better have plenty of money. I got a lot of money, Marty. Um, okay, well, you bring it when you come, okay. okay? All right, I will. Now, are you staying in some big league joint out there? I mean, if you're out there on Fifth Third's dime, I mean, let's face it here. Now, well, now I mean, you these know. Are bankers, these are money people now. So, to me, it looks like, I'm sure I'm wrong, but to me, it looks like the background, the curtains and everything, looks like you might be staying at the wigwam. Am I wrong on that? <laughs> that. You could not be wrong, more wrong if you okay. tried. Okay. All right. It just looks like it. Same sort of decor. Yeah. But go so ahead. Where let are me, you staying? Big league joint? Well, let me name a street for you, and then because nobody knows this area better than you do. Yeah. We're staying on Lincoln Road. 
well, there are a number of choices on Lincoln. So, but, but you made That's the comment right. you were staying, uh, you were playing Camelback. So you were staying at the Marriott Camelback Inn. Bingo on the first guess. Very like good. That. It's a big league that? joint. It's a big league joint. Very good. Absolutely. I mean, that is a big. And let me, let me, let me. Uh, you know, there's nothing I like better than when I'm with you. And I'm sorry I couldn't be with you yesterday, but we were traveling. Um, I like to listen to conversation leading up to when you all bring me on. Okay. Yep. I don't have as high an opinion as you do of the kid at Purdue, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm not saying he's not going to be a decent pro. But let me tell you why he's not going to be one of the great players in the history of the damn game. Okay. The trend today among big men in the NBA is to be able to go out on the floor and shoot it. Sure. The kid at Denver is the best example in the world of that. Yep. Edie cannot do that. No, he can't. And 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 I'm and and again, I wasn't making reference when the comment was made in the chat about he stinks. I'm like, look. No, he doesn't I, stink. I That's don't bad. care what the guy's going to do in the pros. I'm just talking about Zach Eady as a college basketball player. He has his strengths. He has his limitations. But I tell you what, sign me up to have on my team. He's going to be the two-time national player of the year. He's averaging almost 30 a night with about 12 or 14 rebounds. I'll take that on my team That's, every day. That's correct. But the college game does not play out like the pro game does. No, it does not. No, it so does not. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see one how high a draft pick he is. If you assume that he's the number one pick in the country, you're going to be wrong. No, I know that. I know. Let's that. see. Let's let's see how high a pick he is when the NBA draft comes. Oh, I, again, I'm not. I'm separating the two. I'm just talking about. Yeah, I know. I understand. He's a college basketball player, and he is mighty, mighty good. Um, but you, you talked about him like he was the second coming of Michael Jordan, for God's sake. No, I did not. No, I did not. Okay. Okay. No, I did not. All right. Everybody's just down on him because they, as a number one seed, got bounced in the first round last year. Well, that's last year. Well, I know that. I mean, but people bring it up all the time. Well, those people are stupid then. They're stupid. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're out on Camelback. Right. Where else are you playing out there? I don't know where. I assume we're playing the same place tomorrow, right? They got two golf courses out uh, on Camelback. They got yeah. the Padre course and they had the Ambiente course. We're playing the Padre course today, and I don't I don't know where we're playing. This is a fifth third event tomorrow. We're playing all their they're bringing all their people in for meetings for two or three days, but then. Tomorrow, they're going to take them out to play golf. And I don't, the weather forecast is terrible tomorrow. Yesterday, it was 80 degrees when we arrived here. Today, it's going to be around, I don't know, 74, 75. Tonight, rain comes in, and it's going to be flat cold tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, man. I mean, if February, early March can be hit or miss, it can be great, but it can be hit or miss. Once you get middle of March, mm -hmm. you're, you're dialed in. Um, yep. I know you haven't been there very long, but but do, are you starting to see any stuff about spring training, hearing any stuff on the radio? Because, you know, for those that have never been there, uh, Arizona, Phoenix, greater Phoenix, is so, is so far more unique 
than spring training in Florida because Florida you have teams from all the way down near the Florida Keys right. all the way up to northern Florida up near Jacksonville whereas in Phoenix all of them are within about a 25 or 30 mile radius and it's all the same quote unquote television radio market so it's a big deal when spring training gets started out there well and it's also the best place to train um Nobody could have ever told me that when we left Sarasota and came out here, however many years ago it was, 15 or whatever it was. But I, I learned, like so many people in the game uh, that were in the game longer than me at the time we had the conversation, that this for baseball, this is the place to train. And there is absolutely, unequivocally, no question, this is the place to train. For a lot of reasons, one of which you mentioned, um, there's very little travel. You know, the Reds train in Goodyear, which is west of uh, Scottsdale and, and Phoenix off the I-10. And um, we've got, I don't know, six or seven teams within 25 minutes. I mean, it's ridiculous. The longest trip that the Reds have from Goodyear, they have to go to North Scottsdale, Talking Stick, where Colorado and Arizona train, and then Mesa. And that's about a 40-minute ride. Yeah. That you know, because of the traffic. Other than that, and, and the and the weather is consistently better out here. Um, it's, it's it's sensational. I mean, Amanda, she said it once. She said it a thousand times yesterday. How much she loved coming out here. How beautiful the desert is, and the desert is flat beautiful. There isn't yeah. any question about that. No it's doubt. just a very very special place to be at this time of year. Now July and August, and you know how that is. Yep. That's a different deal. But this time of the year, uh, until probably, what would you say, September? Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that before it gets oppressively, when the when the heat really leaves and, and it yeah, gets to late, be comfortable late, again. Late, late September, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, right, basically right. it doesn't That's, get bad till June, really. It, that, you know, there'll be hot days in May, but June... Late June is when it really starts up where every day is triple digits. And, you know, July and August can just beat you down. Uh, but, you know, look, uh, at the end of the day, it's not raining every day. Uh, I'm sure that you, you probably don't know. But here in Cincinnati, we're seeing the sun for the first time in 10 days today. Well, Amanda said there, Amanda, Amanda read yesterday that in the month of January, we had 21 days of clouds and cold weather and rain. Well, as you know, Elliot does 21 the weather for days. us. Yes, and he knew that. He knew that. He knew that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, are you getting excited for spring training? I mean, are you looking forward to it starting? Do you really pay attention to it? I mean, I know you get paid all kinds of money to go out there and, you know, hobnob and shake hands and all that stuff. But, I mean, outside of, of lining your pockets a little bit, do you look forward to going for spring training getting started? Well, I, I guess, I don't know. I, it's, it's a different thing for me now because I'm not working. Um, uh, but I enjoy coming out here in spring training. I enjoy going to a couple of three games and, and seeing some of these young guys that I've not seen before. It was like last spring, all those guys, you know, we got a chance to see all the kids that became household names in Cincinnati throughout the course of the baseball season. I've never seen those kids play. Dela Cruz and, and, and uh, McLean and, and all the rest of those kids, Spencer Steer and the whole bunch. Um, and there's some kids that I'm looking for. I want to see the, their number one draft pick uh, out of Wake Forest, Rhett Lauder pitch. Yep. And he's going to be in the big league camp. And I've had people tell me inside and outside the Reds organization that he's about as major league ready as any play pitcher they have drafted in recent memory. 
that he conceivably could be on the big league club by the end of the season. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching him pitch. But I don't think I get that. You know, I like to come out here uh, because of, of the fact that baseball is starting up again. And games are beginning. And you know how comfortable and laid back spring training games are. Um, but it's a different, different excitement, I think, if you're working like we did as opposed to no longer doing it. Um, uh, anything else on the ba- baseball front on your mind capturing your attention? Because I have a lot of other things I'd like to ask you about. No, I don't have anything. Uh-huh. All right, good. All right, good. We'll, f- we'll file the baseball stuff. Um, first Carry of all, we have, we have a regular viewer, a woman here in Hamilton. Her name is Molly. And, uh, yeah. and I promised her that I would not forget to do this. Apparently, there's some night coming up at the end of March uh, at the, I'm drawing a blank on where it is, that is a night with Marty Brenneman at some art center on the 23rd. You know something about this? Well, why wouldn't I? Well, I mean, you never know. You're so busy. You have so many events. I mean, March 23rd is a long time down the road. Do I know anything about it? Okay. Yeah, it's going to be at the sitting. Sitting. Fitton. F-I-T-T-O-N. The Fitton Center for the Arts. uh, Just off downtown uh, Hamilton. They asked me months ago if I would come out there and sit in an easy chair um and and talk about my career and answer questions and stuff like that and i said i'd be more than happy to well she wants to know if she comes over and again her name is molly i'll remind you about it but she wants to know she has to get a picture with you there god bless her she's welcome to all the pictures she wants to take there we go how about that how about that be more than happy to do that Hey, do you have any thoughts? Uh, we've had people in the chat, and, they, and from time to time, there's some intelligence level. I don't know how high it is exactly. But one that caught my eye uh, had something to do with, do you have any thoughts on this whole Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey thing going on in the NFL? I'm glad you asked me that question because Amanda and I have been chatting about it last night. I think these people that are beating up on that woman – and either directly or indirectly beating up on him because they have a relationship that may well result, I said may, may well result in, I think an engagement ring is gonna be given to her not too distant future. And this whole thing may result in them getting married. I don't, I think that's wonderful. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I know these people that, are, that have nothing to do but cast hateful aspersions and, and negative comments about people who may well be in love with one another. I have absolutely no problem with it. And those jerks that beat up on her and beat up on him uh, on all the social media are people that don't have a damn thing to do in life, but to hate people. That's, I'm glad you asked me that question. How about that, Elliot? That's a big league answer. That is a big league well, answer. I think right it's now. wrong. I mean, what the hell? They can't have a relationship and become attracted to each other just because they are both famous. Obviously, her fame is international and, and is unlike any young, recent young performer that I've ever been made aware of. She's a very talented young woman. Um, she, she, she and, and, and she doesn't ask for all of this, like Amanda just said. She doesn't ask for all of this. She doesn't put herself out there and say, hey, look at me. I'm Taylor Swift, and and my boyfriend and the love of my life is uh, is Kelsey. I, I, I don't, you know, 
She can't help it if a network television camera picks her out of a private box at Arrowhead Stadium. She can't help that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great. I'm happy for him because he, he, he was a great player at UC. He's going to go down as one of the greatest tight ends in the history of professional football. I don't have a problem with it. And I think you, those people that raise hell about it, something's wrong with them. And you know the thing that's amazing is, is that you get some of these people who are making a big deal. Oh, gosh, I'm tired of watching it. I'm not going to watch it. I don't want to see her anymore. Is complete and utter nonsense. Because the people that are watching mm-hmm. the game, some of the dudes, right, they're going to watch football yes. whether you put it on at 4 in the afternoon or you put it on at 1 o'clock in the morning. By her getting Correct. put on from time to time, which as you pointed out accurately, she's not asking for it, but you are no. bringing in millions of people who could care less about football just hoping to see Taylor Swift a half a dozen times. I say put her Don't on all the for- time. Don't think for one minute Roger Goodell's not happy about no it because he is. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And let me and let me say one more thing. And I when I finish saying what I'm going to say, I'm no well. No people are going to say, I don't give a damn about your politics. I'm not going to say my politics, but I'm going to say based on this whole situation what I read last night on Twitter, and that is your guy, your guy, Sean Hannity, issued a warning to her. <laughs> On television, night before last, young lady, you better think twice. You better think twice before you cast your lot with Joe Biden. Who in the hell? Who in the hell is he to threaten anybody? This guy's a damn jerk. Are you kidding me? He's a lunatic. That's all I gotta say. I like him. You're a big hand. He's guy. a lunatic. I am. I am. I like him, but that's okay. Everybody's different. Different strokes doesn't make you good. Doesn't make you bad. Everybody's different. I, I, if I were a betting man, and I'm not here to defend him, I think that what he is saying is, if I were a betting man, because there are a lot of people out there. I've gone to see. You remember when I was in college? I went to see Bruce Springsteen three times in, in about ten days when I was in college. Right? I love the guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd have gone to see him anywhere, anytime. But now all of a sudden when he became uber political, and again, I don't care which, where you are politically. When he, came, when he became uber political, talking politics at his shows and all that kind of stuff, he did turn a lot of people off from, from listening to him moving forward. If I were a betting man, and again, I'm not defending Hannity. I'm just saying, if I were a betting man, I would bet that he is saying to her, hey, look. You are as popular as popular can be. Why put yourself out there and, and potentially alienate part of the people who really like you a lot? If I were a betting man, I would say that's all he's saying. I could be wrong. All right. I could not disagree with you more. Okay, all right. Because all right. He, and, he and your guy that tried to get back in the White House likes to threaten people. They love <laughs> to threaten people. So what Sean Hannity said is exactly the way I portrayed it. He threatened her nationally on a network TV show, you better think twice before you cast your lot with Joe I Biden. Don't, I don't think that's he's exactly weak. threatening her with it. He's a okay. jerk. Go okay. ahead. Change. Right. Turn the All page. Right. Let's Turn go. the page. Turn the page. That's right. All right. Let's bounce around. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, are you ready today? I'm ready. All right. Go ahead, Lindsay. This is her first question to you, Dad. So it's a big league moment here. Okay. It's a stupid. Okay. Right, questions. All right. Go the ahead. First one's stupid. She's stealing my bit. <laughs> no. Have you ever seen <laughs> Barbie? What? Have you, have you ever Barbie? seen the Barbie movie? Have I seen the movie? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, I have not seen the movie. And, and Amanda's been on me because she says I should watch it. And apparently I'm wrong when I say that that's a movie for young girls and, and women. She said, no, it's not. It, it's got it's a great adult message to it. And I, and I will promise you that within the next two weeks after I get home, I will watch that movie and we can talk about it. Okay, awesome. We'll catch up. Whenever you watch it, let me know. Okay. <laughs> and then my other question, it's just, uh, it's a golf question. Who out of your whole life is your favorite all-time golfer? Wow, bring Whoa. it a raid game here today. That's, that's a good question. You know what? This might surprise you, but the guy that – now, I'm, I'm a big Rory McIlroy fan now. I, I really like him. And I like Tiger Woods. I, I'm, I'm, why would you not? But I would say the guy that I paid the most attention to when he was playing golf, and this doesn't include Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus because I'm old enough to go back and know when the game exploded because of Palmer and then Nicklaus picked it up. Um, I would say Freddie Couples was probably the guy that I followed more closely because I liked him. I liked his manner. I like the way he played golf. Um, I, I would say Freddie Couples. Good answer. Good answer. Thank you. How about that? I yes, ma'am. She's getting lots of pub. Lindsay is here in the chat for actually having some intelligence. That's a good questions. question, Lindsay. Good stuff. Let Lindsay. me tell Way you something, go. young lady. The fact that you are relatively new to this program and Tom has given you the opportunity of asking questions of, of people they have on here, that one question that you asked me about my favorite golfer of all time, Put you light head, light years ahead of especially one of the clowns that you're sitting next to in that studio. Thank Are you, you talking about Casey? Casey? Yeah, I think he's talking about Casey. Casey, do you have a question? He just called you a clown. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I did not. <laughs> actually, you know, I'm going to steal the bit too. I have two questions. Um, first off, is one of them uh, stupid? No, no, one of them okay. is actually not stupid. Right. I'm going to do the serious one first. North Carolina is facing Duke. This is probably the biggest yeah. game of their seasons up to this point, right? They gotta, they yeah. gotta get it done yes. against Duke. Um, they play them twice. Uh, they haven't played them yet. What are your thoughts on the game? It's, I think, on Sunday, Saturday, 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 six thirty Eastern time. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, we'll be on a plane. I'll be able to watch it. Oh no! Oh no! I would say um, in Chapel Hill. I think Carolina will win that game. I think they'll win it, especially because they screwed up and let Georgia Tech beat them night before last. Uh, I think they'll win that game. And you said it's a game that Carolina has to win. Let me make one thing perfectly clear to you. Because that your credibility went right down the toilet when you said that. Wow. Duke, Duke has to win that game more than Carolina does. But obviously, it's a rivalry. It's the biggest rivalry in college basketball. So you, you, you're right. Carolina has to win it, but for only bragging rights. Right. But Duke, based on their season, has to win that game more than Carolina does. Yeah, I mean, Duke, Duke needs to at least get one from them. North Carolina can't afford to lose both those games. That's, that's the truth, though. Um, well, I mean, they can't, lose, they can't afford to lose both those games in terms of high seeding. Uh, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no right. question about that. But they want the, They lost a one seed, maybe temporarily, maybe forever, with Georgia Tech beating them. I think they're now considered to be a number two seed because of that loss. But, no, I, I would agree that they'll have to beat Duke in one of those two games. Yes. Yeah. 
And then my second question is more just uh, to gauge a, a personal preference of yours. Besides our talk show, it doesn't have to be a sports talk show. Do you listen to any other sports talk shows or uh, political shows, anything like that? Anything that uh, he Hannity? listens to Sean Hannity, Hannity. in the afternoons well, uh, on clearly he does not. KRC. Clearly, he does not listen to Hannity Sean and Glenn. Good Bell. luck on that. <laughs> if I'm in the car. I will listen to uh, a lot of different stations on XM, Sirius XM radio. I like to listen to the Golf Channel. I'm a big golf fan, both playing it and also reading up on it. And I'm reading a novel, I mean, not a novel, I'm reading a book right now called Live and Let Die, L-I-V, which deals with oh. the history of angst between the PGA and, and, and the live people. Um, but I, I don't I don't pay a lot of attention, uh, you know, to political shows or sports shows on the radio I, I, or television for that matter. I don't I don't do a whole lot of that. No. OK. All right. There you go. There you have it. All right. We turn last but not least to uh, Elliot. That's right. Hey, it's your favorite, Marty. I'm your favorite. It sure and is. I so yep. I got a, I got a, I got a couple different questions here. Uh, a couple of them are stupid. A couple of them are serious. I want to start with this. You mentioned the the PGA. They just got a deal done um, with Strategic Sports Group. I don't know what that means, but yeah. does that that means that they're not going to go with Live, right? Is that what that? I, I don't think it means. I, I don't I don't think it means that they're not going to come to some type of a a legal agreement between themselves and Live. I think what it does is it probably prolongs whatever getting together that the two groups have. It also means that uh, with with a, an in, influx of $3 billion, that's with a B, uh, from some of the multi-billionaires around the country. Uh, some names are familiar to a lot of people. Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets. John Henry, the owner of the Boston Red Sox, are two of them. Um, it's going to give them a bit more independence in, in trying to fend off this uh, bid by the Saudi Arabians to uh, take over the game of professional golf. I, I don't know that anybody really saw this coming. I know Jay Monahan, who's a commissioner of the PGA, has been working on this type of thing for a long time and has finally come to fruition. But I don't think you can in any manner say that this kills any possibility of a coming together of the two groups uh, for all time. I think in the, as far as golf is concerned, they've got to figure out a way to get this thing straightened out without yeah, any question. And, and that group, by the way, also uh, works hand in hand uh, with Liv. So there, really? there okay. is some synergy here among, among the three. Okay. All right. That makes yeah. sense. That's, that's my only golf question I had for you. All right. Well, I, I want to ask one baseball, if that's okay. I, 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 am, I'm a, I am a Reds fan. Um, if you had to say one player has something to lose or maybe something to gain uh, this spring training, who would it be? My pick, if it were up to me, it would be Jonathan India. I think everybody has written Jonathan India off. He, he's lost his spot. They're going to make him play in the outfield now. I think if he tears it up during spring training, I think there's a chance you still see Jonathan India start in the infield. I think there's a small chance, but I think if he if he tears it up during the spring, and, and if maybe Ellie, maybe if Noel V, maybe they're not as good uh, this spring, I think he's one that can benefit from this spring training. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Although I do think this. I think no matter what the public statements have been relative to Jonathan India from Nick Crawl, 
I think if you start spring training, and it happens every spring, it makes no difference what spring it is, you're going to have teams that will have injuries that will impact to some extent, however large or small it might be, to their season once the regular year gets underway. Yep. Spring training is one of the most active times you see teams uh, come up with an injury and then they're shopping for somebody. And I think there's a real possibility that you could see Jonathan India traded during spring training. I really do. I don't see where he can play. Um, he's rated, uh, I think, 28 uh, out of 30 defensive second basemen and defensive metrics in Major League Baseball. I don't think you're going to see any improvement in that. And, and you know, I and I don't disagree that this guy – for the youth that he has, has been an incredible leader in, with this ball club in a clubhouse and on the field. And people say, well, this is the reason why they would never part company. This is a business for God's sake. It doesn't make any difference what kind of leader you might be. If the numbers don't indicate that you're going to play, you're not gonna play. Now in Cruz, Dela Cruz's place, I don't think people can discount the possibility that unless he shows vast improvement in spring training, once the games get underway, to being able to hit, make contact at a reasonable level with breaking balls, sliders, and 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 uh, chain and uh, curve balls, he could begin the season in Louisville. I mean, yeah. people don't they don't even want to hear that. But you can't strike out thirty three point seven percent of the time and play every day in Major League Baseball. You simply can't. So that's going to be something that people need to watch once the games get underway is whether or not he's shown any improvement at all in hitting anything other than a straight ball. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, and I know um, a writer who I won't name on this show, he's been taking a lot of flack in the city, wrote that and the city went, went nuts. But I do think there is a possibility that if he shows no improvement, I don't think it's going to happen. But if he shows somehow no improvement this spring, uh, there certainly is a chance because as of right now, there's a ton of young guys fighting for spots. I think Ellie's already proved it. But to your point, uh, when you strike out 33% of the time, it's not going to work. I do have – okay, well, I'm going to get silly now. If you had to call the Super Bowl, let's say hypothetically, you know they do those simulcasts with Pat McAfee for the College Football National Championship? You know how they do that? All right, what if I give you yes. a simulcast, and here's, here are your people that you're with. It's a simulcast. It's like the Peyton Manning show, him and Eli. But it's you, it's Taylor Swift, and it's Christian Leitner. All three of you are, are, are working together for this simulcast watch party of the Super Bowl. Are you in? Yeah, I'm in. You're in. All right, that's good. I, oh, I'm also, you, hey, wait. Can I tell yeah, you something? Yeah. To begin with, you mentioned Leitner's name. Okay? I do. I did. All right. All right. You're not you're not talking to somebody who's a, a, a born again BBN member. OK, uh, I know. You know, I know I, I have nothing against uh, Christian Leitner was one. of Now you're talking about the difference between college and pros. Christian Leitner was one of the greatest college basketball players who ever lived. I don't care that he uh, he played for Duke. Doesn't make any difference to me. I can't name one song that Taylor Swift sings, but I'm still a Taylor <laughs> Swift. I, I can't. I, honest to God, I can't. What is the name of it? Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake Amanda's it off. a big fan. She's a big fan of Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, but but no, I I could work well with both of them, and I'd enjoy their company. Believe me. 
All right, now this is the last question. Uh, so we, there's, there's rumors, there's swirlings that I will also be in spring training. Uh, there's a Chatterbox Reds caravan, as it were, that's heading to spring training. What if you, it's, what if it's, now what if I change that caravan? I kick out Trace, I kick out Kirby. It's me and you, we're riding in Redzilla, and we'll drive from Cincinnati to Arizona together. No, I wouldn't do that. No, that's, <laughs> Why not? There's no protection. There's no protection in Redzilla. You probably would be more than happy to do that. Um, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be ecstatic. i tell you what I'd do if I were you, if you yeah. were serious about that. I'd call Sean Hannity and see if he wanted to ride with you. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll work on him. I'll, I'll try to get Tucker Carlson, too. We'll try to get the whole game. All right. Back now, let me say, no, there's a talk about an all-time clown now. There's one. <laughs> now, let me uh, – before I before I leave you, uh, yeah. I want we talked earlier about Barbie, a movie. I want to highly recommend a documentary for all the people that are watching the show today. If they have any interest in music, um, there's a documentary called The Greatest Night of Pop. And that is a documentary. It's a long documentary, hour and a half, dealing with what transpired on January the 28th, 1985 when a coming together of the greatest talent vocally in the history of music, there's never been a greater gathering at one time. And this group got together at A&M Studios in Los Angeles after the AMA Awards, the American Music Association Awards, and they gathered to sing a song called We Are the World with all the proceeds oh, yeah. going toward the starving people in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And it was put on by Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson and uh, Lionel Richie. And it is incredible. The greatest night in pop. Unbelievable. I gotta check it out. I got to check it out. Please do. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. And I'd like an update when I talk to you. Hopefully it'll be longer than a week. But if it's only a week, unfortunately for me, you can tell me whether you enjoy it or not. Okay, I will. All right. All right. Well, okay. we'll let you get to the uh, links out there in sunny Arizona. So uh, thanks for okay, the time bye. today. And, uh, and Godspeed ahead. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Tom. I love you. See love you guys. You and lady, right. enjoy right. being with you. All righty. How about that? How about that? I tell you what, Lindsay's getting some big-time pub in the chat. She is. They are saying that she is on her game. Now, Lindsay, now Lindsay, I don't know if you've been reading all the chats, Tom, but Lindsay's been killing me. <laughs> killing She's been you? killing me. She's been saying she'll beat me in golf, she'll beat me in ping pong. There's not a challenge. I already, Lindsay, you're, you're too late to the bit. Trace has already claimed to have uh, stake over me in any athletic competition whatsoever. But it, I'll, I'll tell you what, you can be second, and we'll, and we'll film it all, and we'll just rerun the whole bit. I, Tom, they, what, what, they, what these people want me to do is they want me to lose to everybody and everything. They do. Put it all on camera yep. and, and let me, the little clown boy, put on my little tapping dance shoes and, and we'll go dance around the park in my little clown makeup. That's what these people want, and that's fine. I'll do it. I'm for the people. Yes. But I want everybody to know at some point I'm going to win. You give me nine years, I'm going to win that Masters. You give me nine years, I'm going to hit the walk-off Grand Slam in the World Series. You just watch. I, just give me nine years, Tom. Nine years uninterrupted, and I will be the best that there ever was at anything. I have no gonna, doubt about it. You're going to be better at 33 than you are at 24. You're damn right I am. Yep, that's right. You got that right, Lindsay. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs>
There's a lot of doubts on that. Nick one. Kirby jumped in and he said, you know, about uh, he said he'd bet every penny he has at Ellie starts the year with a major league club. I don't think that I don't think I heard if I heard him right. I don't think my dad was saying that that's what's going to happen. I think he was saying, don't be surprised if it did happen. I, I don't know. And again, people get offended by this. Uh, first of all, I, I want to say I am an Ellie fan, but. You can't look at last season and not mention the struggles that he had. No right? doubt about it. Um, and, and our good friend Evan from the chat wants to mention that he improved drastically towards the end of the season offensively. But the fact of the matter is the plate discipline wasn't there for a, a large portion of his tenure with the Reds last year. Defensively, he can make the best plays in the world, but he can also – miss a dribbler. He can throw a ball wild every once in a while. You didn't know Elvi Marte in the face. That was a shot. But nonetheless, that's what happened last year. I don't think it's a crazy thing when you have a roster this stacked with young talent that if a guy's not performing in spring training, you don't have to rush him up. This isn't a, this isn't some sort of uh, punishment to be held down in spring training. I think Trace, my boss, said that uh, last year. It, Tyler Stevenson could have used some, spring, uh, some AAA at-bats last year. He could have used it. He, they didn't do it. He stayed up the whole time, and I think he struggled because of it. He led the team in double plays. You know, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I, I can't remember who you said talked about how Ellie got better at the end of last season. I mean, for the life of me, please tell me what I'm missing here. Because in the month of August, he hit 190. Let, let's back up to July. He hits over 300 in the month of June. Has a great June, Right. Best call up for the Reds, maybe ever. Yep. Then in July, he hits 238 in the month of July. He strikes out he strikes out 39 times in 105 at bats. In August, he hits 198 with 44 strikeouts in 106 at bats. In September slash October. His batting average improved to a whopping 202. And in 89 at bats, he struck out 32 times. Again, I'm not here bashing Ellie De La Cruz. He has been spending apparently the entire offseason uh, working a lot with um, Juan Soto. And Soto has an incredible approach at the plate. Right? He yep. takes walks. He puts the ball in play. He's a high on base percentage guy. So, look, if, you, if you're going to work with somebody, um, that's a good guy to work with. Really good guy. And, and the Reds have said, and I don't know what barometer they use this, because he did not play winter ball this winter. Most of the players, even if they get older, they continue to play winter ball for their home country. In his case, the Dominican Republic. But... Uh, the Reds say that they're, they're very encouraged with what they've uh, seen. I, I, again, I don't know where they're getting that from, how you qualify or quantify that, because it's not like he's facing live pitching. Uh, but they feel like he's making progress in the right direction, so good for him, and, and it would be really good for the Reds if he shows up and he's ready to play. Really good. I Listen, and, and this is what's crazy about – I mean, I, fandom, fandom is wild. Every, every fan's different. I, everybody knows I'm more of a negative fan. I'm more of a, I'm more of a cynic. And that's fine. There's people like Nick Kirby. I love Nick Kirby. He's more of an optimist. I, you can look both ways. People look at me and they say, why would you want to be miserable? And I look at Kirby and I say, why do you only say, see po the positive when you go through this season? I think Ellie De La Cruz, 
again, is a great is a great baseball player. He has the potential to be an MVP in this league. He does. He can hit a ball 500 feet. Yep. But here's the thing about Ellie. If I'm not allowed to critique when he goes, what did Tom say, 190 in a month? If I can't critique that, then what are we doing? That's not. It's not fair to anybody. It's okay to point out when he has a bad season. It's okay to point out that he strikes out at a high clip. You're allowed to say it and not be considered a bad Reds fan. Nobody's slandering Ellie De La Cruz. It's what he did. He did it. I'm not slandering anybody. So it's just, it's just it's just nonsense, Tom. It's just nonsense. Some of these fans. All right, we've got some breaking news in uh, in football. We mentioned uh, earlier today about McDonald being hired as the head coach, former Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald going to Seattle, and that there was one team left uh, that had uh, not hired a head coach. Well, that's taken care of today. The Washington Commanders have hired Dan Quinn. No way. As its head coach, defensive coordinator from the Dallas Cowboys. No way. So you sit here and you say, okay, well, what about Dan Quinn? Okay, he made his name as a defensive guy with Seattle when he first came up through the ranks as an assistant. He got the job in Atlanta in 2015. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. A lot of people felt like that was a really good year. The next season, he took them to the Super Bowl. They went 11-5. and five. And they lost that Super Bowl. That's the one where they had the enormous lead. Kyle Shanahan's yep. his offensive play caller. The next thing you know, uh, they blow this monster lead in the Super Bowl. But he got him to the Super Bowl in year two. Matt Ryan, the quarterback down there. The next year, they finished third in their division. They went 10-6. and six, But had a really good year, 10-6. and six. But they won a playoff game and then lost in the divisional round to the Eagles. Okay, so here he's been there three years, and his second and third year, he's taken him to the playoffs and taken him to one Super Bowl. In 2018, they get completely ravaged by injuries. They're losing starters all over the place. They go seven and nine. In 2019, they start one and seven. He gives up play calling on the defense. They have a great finish. They finish six and two over the last eight to, to end at seven and nine. The last season, um, he goes 0 and five uh, to start the year. And I'm trying to think back. Let me just check on that season. Um, yeah, they fired everybody. Thomas Dimitrov, who was a general manager there forever, uh, was fired along with Dan Quinn uh, in the 2020 season after they started 20 and 20. And it's interesting to note, we talked about it the other day, that was a year Raheem Morris took over as the interim head coach. And at the end of that season, they didn't bring Morris back. They just hired him last week to be their head coach. Four years later. Wild. I do want to point out one thing, Tom. The year that Dan Quinn was fired was also the same year Tom Brady entered in that division. It was also around the same time that the Saints were pretty damn good at that, that time of uh, yes, they period were. as well with Drew Brees and that team. The last couple of those seasons could have went to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you remember the the Rams debacle where they yeah. had that guy that got hit. So, in fairness, I think Dan Quinn had a lot of uh, of uh, challenges those couple of seasons that were pretty tough on him. 
and the fact that those players were also getting older. Julio Jones is getting older. Um, the injuries that they sustained. They had a really good run game yep. the year they went to the Super Bowl. That disappeared. I don't remember uh, the guy's name off the top of my head, but he was a really good running Yeah, big guy, long hair. I know you're yeah. right. You're, uh, I, I, Devontae Freeman. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Devontae yeah. Freeman. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great hire for, for the commanders. Um, I know that's the, the story right now, but the thing I really wanted to talk about is that the coaching carousel has concluded. Yeah. Bill Belichick did not get a job. Yep. Mike Vrabel did not get a job. Yep. What's next for those guys? Well, you know, I've heard it talked a lot about that for Belichick. Uh, and I believe this is true. You're not going to hire Bill Belichick. And it's when I hear people say this stuff, I, 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 I want to crawl into the radio and just grab them by the throat. <laughs> When I hear, well, you can't hire this guy because he's not going to be around for the next 10 years. The only place to keep coaches for 10 years are the Bengals. Fair. I mean, I'm talking about mediocre coaches for 10 years. Okay? Yep. The Steelers keep coaches around that never have a losing season. The Ravens keep coaches around because they win the division every other year. And, and they've won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And the Steelers have won a Super Bowl. They keep those guys around, okay? And, of course, the Patriots kept the guy around because he won six of them. But anybody that thinks a coach is going to get hired and keep him around for the next 10 years, please just go check out the tenure of head coaches around the NFL. Please. Yeah. Can we do that? So that, it's idiocy to say that. Bill Belichick has shown no signs of any health issues. We're not looking at cognitive dis, dis, just chaos like we see in some other places these days. We're not seeing that with Bill Belichick. Okay? He is as mentally as sharp as it gets. Now, you can say he's not the coach. Without Brady, he's not the same guy. That's fine. That's a different debate for a different time. But I think most people feel like there's going to be a good team this year that's going to struggle. It could be a team like there were whispers about the Steelers. You know, was it time to move on from Tomlin, right? Hadn't won a playoff game forever, right? A lot of people feel like next year's a big year for John Harbaugh. Who would have thunk it, right? He's coming off the best team in the league this year. They get bounced at home in the playoffs again. The Dallas Cowboys go to the playoffs, out, right? A lot of talk about Belichick coming there. In fact, just yesterday, Jerry Jones was asked to – I mean, if you talk about fanning the, the fire, he's asked if he thought he could get along well and work with Bill Belichick. And he answers that question. Yeah, I think so. So I, the, the point I'm making is there's going to be a team somewhere in the mix next year that has very high expectations, and they don't meet those expectations. And that's the team Bill Belichick gets hired by. They want to bring him in and win and win right now. I'm more surprised about Mike Vrabel, if I'm yes. going to be honest. Yeah. I, I think that's preposterous. Mike Vrabel is, has shown he's one of the better coaches in the NFL, and to not have a job this year is, is just mind-boggling. I think Dan Quinn is a great hire. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even hear a report that he was interviewing with him, so when you broke that, I was, I was kind of shocked. But defensively, he's, he's helped. I mean, really, without Dan Quinn and Dallas, I don't know what they are because defensively, they care that the, the defense carries the Cowboys every single season. 
So I don't know what the Cowboys will look like this coming year. And yep. I guess maybe Vrabel's going to look for a, a coordinator job. I guess that's what's going to happen. Um, but Dan Quinn is a great hire for Washington. Good for them. Uh, I guess they're going to try to get a quarterback, I would assume, I would presume. But, yeah, Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick and Vrabel both deserve jobs. And I think they will both get them next season. Yeah, it is strange that you mentioned that the Dallas's defense is what really has helped propel them to get where they're at at this point. But it was the reason why they they also lost to the playoffs too. Um, there might be some something there in terms of. Uh, I don't know if that was. I mean, it was, but I, I mean, Dak looked terrible in that game. It he goes both. It, it was, but it was the team. It was a whole team effort. I'll, I'll give you that. It was a whole team effort, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think like a good fit for Vrabel would be. Dallas like yeah why not right just right. go go coach the defense um you're a former linebacker on uh, a great Patriots team I, I don't know what his uh old coaching stints were what what sort of coordinator jobs that he had before but Tennessee always had a great defense or they always had tough defenses yes you already got a great roster there in Dallas and same thing with Belichick Neither one of those guys could really work as a coordinator there in Dallas. You already got the roster built out for you. Yep. If you just get a good scheme in there, I think they would be uh, really successful there in Dallas. But You know, it all, it all gets back in so many ways that I find so interesting. Um, and I've talked about this. We've talked about this frequently on the show. Um, about, you know, the old school tough guy coaches. You look at Dan Campbell. Now, he's not been around very long. But look, I mean, you want to talk about what you see is what you get. Dan Campbell, you watch that cat on the sideline. I mean, he looks like, you know, that old saying in football, he looks like he's chewing glass, yeah. right? Yeah. Glass eater. Glass eater. I mean, he's a big, strong, tough guy, vocal guy. And, and, and all the players here in Detroit, he's an old school kind of guy. Yeah, can relate to the players a little younger because he's a little younger, certainly than Belichick probably around the same age, maybe a little younger than Vrabel. Um, but, I mean, this guy is old school, tough, hard-nosed, in your face, challenging the players, et cetera, et cetera. The comments that were made by some of the Detroit players playing for Dan Campbell, I haven't read comments like that that players say about their coach in I don't know how long. I mean, they're talking about this is the greatest leader I've ever been around. Comments like that, his players were saying. So now we come to this cycle this year. And all of these younger guys, rather than the old school guys, are getting hired. And you know what? Good for them. I mean, God bless them. They're getting their chance. McDonald, I mean, you talk about a guy that's worked his tail off. His resume is really amazing, McDonald. He has worked as an assistant coach for a long time, despite his 36 years of age. He's done it in the NFL. He did it in college. He went and joined. He left John Harbaugh with the Ravens to go yeah. to Jim Harbaugh at Michigan to be the defensive coordinator. And then John said, I got to have this guy back. And he brings him back to be his defensive coordinator. Now he's gone as a head coach. But man, um, I, I just... I just wonder how in the world you can have so many job openings and you can have the credentials. No one has credentials like Bill Belichick in the history of the game. But you can have credentials like Bill Belichick. 
You can have credentials like Mike Vrabel. And you mean to tell me these aren't two of the top 30 head football coaches on the planet? They don't have a job. And you look around who is getting the jobs or who still has the jobs. There are some head scratchers. I would say that. Are you not stunned by that? I, I, I can't believe it. I, honest to God, I can't believe it. But this is the way the NFL has gone. It's the way it's been going. I can't believe, I mean, Zach Taylor got a job in Cincinnati. He was a, I mean, he hasn't really proven anything up until he got our job, but he was a coaching carousel baby of, of Sean McVay. And I think that's what guys look to. They look at who you've worked under, uh, and they see if you're, if you're closely related to the success from where you just were, maybe you can bring that to, to your franchise. And I guess that's, that's, that's the tone here rather than being a football guy, an old-school guy, a winning guy. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it, is, it is crazy how, how the NFL has gone this way over the past several years. You know, there was a lot of talk. Um, and, and I actually think, to be honest with you, I think two years ago there, there was some meat on the bone. And this, is, this was two years ago um, about Vrabel maybe wanting to lead the Titans to come back and take over as head coach at Ohio State. He's a born and raised Ohio guy. He is Ohio State through and through. He worked there under Urban Meyer. Urban was the first guy who hired him as a coach after he quit playing, after being a great player in the NFL for a long, long time. And boy, was he a great player. Um, and, and, I, and I think, like I said, that that had some, some meat on that bone, but there were too many things standing in the way. Now, a year later, Ryan Day loses again to Michigan. Right? They uh, don't play in the college football playoff. And uh, here we go again. Yeah. Right? All the Ryan Day stuff. But then all of a sudden, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm an Ohio State fan, they have great, had the single greatest offseason in, in, in the history of college football, and, and certainly since the advent of the transfer portal and recruiting. You combine what they've done in the portal, what they've done in their high school recruiting, and every player on the entire team that could have gone to the NFL except for Marvin Harrison Jr. all decided to come back to play another year. So once all that happened, even if there was even a, a hint of some people wanting to explore Vrabel's situation, that was done. That was done. But I think there was some chicken on that bone at some point in time last year. I agree. Um, do you want to do some ads? Let's do some ads real quick. We only have about uh, uh, 10 minutes left in the program. Casey, take it away. Yep. Uh, we'll do ads, then picks, and then we'll do a cherry on top, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. We got, a, we got an interview at 12 o'clock, Casey. So we got to – Yeah, we have, to, okay. we have to get out here exactly at 12. So, anyways, the – Bearcat Bingle Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services for mobile computing, the desktop, the data center, supporting both centralized and work from home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Productivity. That's right, productivity. The path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. 
The result is a healthy alkaline water and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, swish it down with some Pawnee Water, and get your technology solutions from Encore.Tech. Also, don't forget to like the show if you're liking it. Uh, share it with a friend. Subscribe. Uh, become a member. It's only $10 for our lowest membership, and that gets you all of our live streams, uh, gets you some uh, exclusive emoticons and things of that nature, so you can join in with the other members in the chat. And um, don't forget our Discord. I'll put a Discord link in here just in a second. For those of you that are not in our Discord, please join us. We do our uh, betting in there as well. There's lots of uh, just general conversation in there. Extends the chat after hours. And then... Um, I don't know if we'll be doing a uh, gaming stream today because uh, I, I have something that I need to take care of afterwards that came up. Um, I'll talk to Elliot about that, and we'll see what we can do. Okay. And, yeah, you want to say something, Trace? We'll, we're, we'll we're going to do a stream. We're going to do a member stream. Bosses. Boss what? We're, oh, they're going to do a member stream. Oh, so they're going to do a member they're stream. The, member the bosses stream. are going to do a member stream, so I'll set that up for them. And get that all figured out. Um, yeah, then uh, after that, I just wanted to say really quickly thank you to all the uh, the chatters. We appreciate you coming in here every day. Um, it's a big help. It helps us grow. Um, really appreciate you. One thing I wanted to touch on is the, the Mike McDonald, him being the new uh, coach for Seattle, how big of a deal that is for Cincinnati. Since he's been the Ravens defensive coordinator, Cincinnati has not played well against the Ravens. That's right. They've been very, very bad against the Ravens. Um, and on top of that, uh, the Browns might be losing uh, Callahan. Yep. Uh, their offensive line coach, which is a huge deal for them as well. If uh, Brian Callahan can sneak him away, yep. that would be huge for the Bengals too. Um, this has been overall a, a good process for uh, – I know it seems kind of weird to say, but a good process for the Bengals. Um, lots of coaching moves uh, that have uh, affected them in, in positive ways. You're so. exactly right. I mean, P Bill Callahan, uh, you know, th that's a guy that if I ran a football team, would be maybe the first guy I hired on my, on my staff. Yeah. I mean, with Nebraska running that guy off when he was a head coach is one of the most asinine moves that has ever been made. Uh, in football. I mean, you think about two guys at that school fired. Frank Solich, who took over after the legendary Tom Osborne. He's winning 11, 12 games a year and not good enough. They run him off. And, and he goes to Ohio University and stays for the next 25 years and he's the all-time winning leader in the history of the Mid-American Conference. Yeah. Right? But he wasn't good enough. And, and they, had, they had Callahan there. Uh, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. Callahan's going to end up with his son, and he should be. That's a good story. All right, what do we got to do? We got to do picks, Casey. We got to go over our picks. We haven't done it yet. It's Thursday. We got to see how we finished off this football oh, season. Oh, boy. And I will, I will calculate the records. No, uh, I don't even want to know them, I don't think. All right, go ahead. Here we go. Here we go. This Chiefs, week. Ravens. Yeah. Uh-oh. The only reason I went with the Ravens, and uh -oh. I said it at the time, is because everybody else picked the Chiefs. Uh -oh. I knew the Chiefs were going were gonna to minimum cover and that Mahomes was not going to lose, <laughs> but I picked it so I got to live with the consequences. Go ahead. Lindsay. Lindsay, she's on her game. Got, on out. Game. got your first pick, right? Last one. 
Tom? Well, I lose again. You lost again. You lost again. The spread. Yeah, it's about the spread, Tom. But I also made the comment, if you remember, I was rooting for the fight in Chris Spielman. So I was double heartbroken. <laughs> I didn't win the bet, and I didn't win the game. <laughs> Ouch. Have, have either one of you guys made any money? Lindsay, 2-0 and o out of the gate. I Both of you two guys, 2-0. and o. <laughs> What was that, Lindsay? I missed 2-0. and o. Oh, she's missed 2-0. and o. We got Mr. 12-0 and o over there. <laughs> Miss 2-0. That's two and o her new there. nickname from now on. <laughs> Even if she loses the next 30 in a row, her nickname now on is Miss 2-0. and o. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to stick. Okay. I, I, I think like it has it. to stick. It has to be organic when you come up with nicknames. You can't do this nonsense where you're making them up ahead of time. They got to be organic. Right? That's like right. like your nickname, Zebra. You've told that story before. I right? have told the story before. And the Zebra, the zebra nickname will, will outlive me forever because of, of, of how it's grown into its own gambling persona of, of terribleness. Nobody thinks of making – when somebody loses a bet, Tom, in their, in their life, you're like, I just zebraed it. I just zebraed it. There's That's no doubt. It's becoming common – Language. Nomenclature. Nomenclature. That's, that's, that's the word, word I was looking for. That's the word that's that what I was you didn't think for. I had that one in me. You look at me and you think. Well, I didn't have it. You did have it. He doesn't know the word nomenclature. That's that's what you saw in me. But that's fine. Casey, we got a cherry on top here. I got two of them. Okay. Wow. I sent you. Uh, two of them? Well, they're nothing. I, I was trying to find funny funny things on Okay, on, let's see what's going on, on Twitter. Here. But these are, just, these are just highlights from yesterday's UC game. This will, again, this gives me a little bit of hope, but... Uh, so the first one is, I think this is going to be a steal. This is what we have, Tom. Day-Day is an elite defender. And this was one of the one of the few good moments of the game. Okay. Here we go. Boom. Oh, wait, this is the, this is the Aziz dunk. This is the Aziz alley-oop. This is the only thing Aziz can do offensively. Boom. That big was time. nice. That's a big-time alley-oop. Yep. And then the second one's going to be a Day-Day steal, taking it to the other side of the court, uh, if we can get there. But it's just there's there's little moments in here in, in, in this, on this team, Tom. Is this it? This is it. No, oh, that was yeah. They tried the Boom. crossover. Yep, steal. Boom, bad at layups, so he gives it off. Bucket, easy for the Bears. Bad at layups. He's bad at layups. I love I love Day Day Thomas. I love him, but but God bless him. He can't make a layup to save his life. Can't do it. Cannot bad do it. at layups. Have you watched those games? Tom? I know. I know. Every, he misses know. layups more than anybody. I know. I've ever seen. It's impossible to miss layups at such a high percentage. But All right. That's it. All right. So that's it. We'll, we'll cut it off a little bit, a little bit early today, about a handful of minutes, so we can get ready to tape this interview. I mean, uh, Nick Kirby has worked here the shortest amount of time, and he's giving orders like he's been here forever. What did, what did he do? Did he give another order? We have here? to tape some interview with Miles McBride. We're today. not. We're not taping. We're. It's already we're recorded. We're, we're it's debuting just, it. It's, per, it's premiering. premiering. It's premiering. Yeah. Miles McBride, the former um, West Virginia standout under Bob Huggins. Huggins was the only guy apparently in this whole region that saw anything out of the guy. He was only the best player at Moeller on, on arguably one of the greatest high school basketball teams of all time. That's not an exaggeration. They got three guys in the NBA on that team. That's right. And uh, apparently UC didn't want it. Xavier didn't want him, That's and Ohio State didn't want him. That's unfortunate. Right? That's, That's right. A tough, but That's he a was good break. enough to go play for Huggy Bear, and I think they got to the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, I think, with Miles McBride. And if I'm not mistaken, he was a number one pick. Was it a first-round or second-round pick by the Knicks? Uh, Miles I'm, McBride. I'm I, think he was, I thought he was a late first-rounder. might have been a second-rounder. Uh, pick 36, second round. Second round, okay. 
So good for Miles McBride. Um, okay. Um, tomorrow, we, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We got, we got lots, you know, we're, we're, this, this is a weird week with no Super Bowl. I need my Super Bowl. Yeah, no football. Oh, what about the Pro? Okay, we haven't talked about We'll talk about the Pro Bowl tomorrow. What are your thoughts of flag football? Golly. Flag football and the uh, other nonsense they See, do I had somebody there. ask me this yesterday uh, when I was at, at, the, at a health club working out. And, and, I mean, they were all up in arms uh, just by the tone of your voice there about the whole thing. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, the amazing thing is there'll be – they'll, they'll, they'll 20 million people that'll tell you, oh, my God, flag foot, oh, my God, and they'll still watch. That's why they do it, because you watch. It's true. And the it's quickest Olympic way to not have that anymore is don't watch. But people will – that thing will do 10 to 15 million people minimum that watch it. It probably will. It probably will. I've done a Pro Bowl, but that's when it was out in Hawaii, and they used to hit you. That's when it meant something. That's when it meant something. It meant a free vacation for me. <laughs> for a week. How much prep do you do for the Pro Bowl? Is well, that, you got you, you, you to prep it like it's a real game. And have, even though it's, there's a lot of other things going on. And Billick and I did it together with Terry Bradshaw in the booth with us. That's big league. And we had Howie Long and can't remember who else down on the field. Tony Saragusa, I think. So it was more just giggles and having a lot of fun and had players mic'd up and all that kind of thing. All right, that's enough. I'm rambling. Um, back at you tomorrow. Got this interview with Miles McBride. I invite you to check it out. Any other program notes tonight? Anything I'm forgetting? There will be a member stream later today. With our bosses. With so our bosses. So Jolly Jolly wants you to do Call of Duty. I think it's going to be some sort of game like that. It's going yeah, to be some, it'll be some be sort of like first-person I don't know if it'll be Call of Duty. Okay, Jolly Jolly owes me a phone call, by the way. Why i got to catch up with the old boy. Oh, I see. Um, okay, thanks, uh, Casey. Thank you. Lindsay, strong. <laughs> strong. Got to give it up. Miss 2-0. and Miss 2-0. and Strong. Zebra? Zebra? All right, strong. Strong on your game. I don't think I was We're strong. We're a man I... down and everybody elevated their game today. All right. So well done. All right. Well done. Much appreciated. All right, thank you uh, for joining us. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. God Check bless. out this interview. Godspeed ahead.